Premavahini Chapter 1 Noble Qualities Form the Path for the Aspirant More than all the previous yugas or ages, the Kali Yuga offers multifarious paths through which man can acquire discrimination or viveka. If it is education that is needed, there are as many schools and institutions as you need. If it is wealth that one is after, there are various avenues by which with effort it can be honorably earned. In spite of this, however, we do not find any increase in human happiness or peace. Indeed, there is much more misery than in previous ages. What then is the reason? The reason lies in human behavior, in man's way of living itself. Human life is undoubtedly the highest in evolution, and to give it meaning, spiritual endeavor is essential, endeavor that is pure and holy. For this way of life, character is all important. Character makes life immortal, it survives even death. Some say knowledge is power, but that is not true. Character is power. Even the acquisition of knowledge demands a good character. So everyone must yearn to attain flawless character without any trace of evil. Note that Buddha, Jesus Christ, Shankaracharya and Vivekananda, great sages and saints and devotees of the Lord, all these are treasured in the memory of man even unto this day. What quality made them all memorable for all time? I say it is the character of each one of them. Without character... Wealth, education, social status, all these are of no avail. It is the fragrance of the flower which gives it value and worth. Poets, painters, artists and scientists may be great, each in his own field, but without character they can have no standing in society. Doubts will certainly arise whether all those who are now greeted with respect by society have the character which we consider essential to greatness. But I am speaking of a society and a character which cling to certain unchanging values. Ordinarily, society attaches varying importance to certain qualities from day to day, and fashions in character change with the vagaries of society. But the basic nature of a flawless character is eternal. It is the same whatever the vicissitudes of society. In that sense it is immortal, being associated with another immortal entity, the Atman, the Self, the Soul. Among the qualities that make up a flawless character, love Patience, forbearance, steadfastness, charity. These are the highest. These have to be revered. The hundred little deeds that we indulge in every day harden into habits. 
These habits shape the intelligence and mold our outlook and life. All that we weave in our imagination, that we seek in our ideals, that we yearn for in our aspirations, leave an indelible imprint on the mind. Distorted by these, we form our knowledge, our picture of the world around us, and it is to this picture that we get attached. Man's present is but the result of his past and the habits formed during that long period. Whatever be the nature of the character that he has come by, it can certainly be modified by modifying the accustomed process of thought and imagination. The wickedness of no man is incorrigible. Was not Angulimala the dacoit or thief turned into a kind-hearted person by the Buddha? Did not the thief Ratnakara become Valmiki the sage? By conscious effort, habits can be changed and character refined. Man has always within him, within his reach, the capacity to challenge his evil propensities and to change his evil habits. By selfless service, by renunciation, by devotion, by prayer and by ratiocination, the old habits which bind men to earth can be discarded and new habits which take us along the divine path can be instilled into our lives. To discuss the nature of this character, its ways and vagaries, and to inform about the process of reshaping it, this is the purpose of all spiritual literature, poems, epics, books and periodicals. The Sanatana Sarathi has just this aim in view. It does not seek either the exhibition of erudition or the acquisition of name and fame. But it has to be said that the mere reading of a book or a journal will not vouchsafe viveka or discrimination. That which is seen, heard or read must be put into practice in actual life. Without this, Reading is a mere waste of time. If anything is read to pass time, it merely passes the time and nothing remains. Premavahini Chapter 2 The Study of Books and One-Pointedness Books are available in plenty and at very cheap prices. Vedas, Shastras and Puranas can be obtained and read by everyone. There is also no dearth of Gurus. Vidyapits, or seats of learning, abound, and are ostensibly granting the boon of knowledge. Facilities for training the mind are plentiful and within reach, but yet... From nowhere is heard the note of contentment at having partaken of the nectar of jnana, or sacred knowledge. When I see the heaps of books that lie around everywhere, 
I feel that the wisdom inside the book cannot succeed in penetrating the heavy binding and emerging into the light. God is hidden by the mountain ranges of lust, anger, envy and selfishness. So too, the sun of wisdom is hidden by these huge heaps of books. Though these books have spread to all corners of the earth, we cannot say that culture has increased or that wisdom has increased. Man is still not far from the ape. An attractive binding and title, a beautiful picture, these are what the reader seeks, namely transitory pleasure and momentary contentment. Only those who by means of discrimination select the books they read and practice what they read can realize the truth and enjoy everlasting bliss. Only these live worthwhile lives. So those who seek the highest path and who revel in thoughts of God should strive to read only the life histories of saints and sages and books which help the contemplation of the divine. Aimless reading of books all and sundry and whatever comes to hand will make confusion only more confounded. It gives no profit, it confers no peace. More than all, cultivate one-pointed steadfastness, ekagratha, in whatever you do. Samadrishti, that is equal sight, is shubadrishti, equally auspicious. The lion, though it is the king of the forest, while walking through the woods, turns back every few steps, for it is afraid of being pursued. Fear in the mind makes the vision falter. Violence within the heart distorts the vision and distracts the sight. Man must have samadhrishti, equal sight. All creation must appear to his eyes as equally auspicious. He must look upon all beings with as much love and faith as he has in himself. For there is nothing evil in creation. No, not even an iota. Evil appears as such only through faulty vision. Creation gets colored by the nature of the glasses we wear. By itself, it is eternally pure and holy. Premavahini Chapter 3 Sadhana, The Way of Life There have always been, there are, and there will always be teachers who reveal to man 
and who instruct him to attain the heights which he can reach by the fullest manifestation of his physical, mental, and intellectual powers through one-pointed steadfastness. But the mind of man revels in external objects and in purposeless observation and criticism of the outside world. How then can it be trained to be steadfast? Each one should ask himself the question, Mahatmas and Mahapurushas were also persons like me. They were also embodied beings. When they could attain perfection, I can also succeed if I follow their method. What profits me if I spend my time in discovering the faults and weaknesses of others? Therefore the first sadhana of spiritual practices Search for the faults and weaknesses within yourself and strive to correct them and become perfect. The unceasing toil of each succeeding day has as its aim and justification this consummation to make one's last days sweet and pleasant. But each day too has its evening. If the day is spent in good deeds, then the evening blesses us with deep sleep. Invigorating, refreshing sleep. The sleep about which it is said that it is akin to Samhavi. The superconscious state transcending the body, mind and intellect. Man has only a short span of life here upon earth. But even in this short life one can, by wisely using the time with care, attain divine bliss. Two men, in appearance the same, ostensibly of the same mold, grow under the same conditions. But one turns out to be an angel, while the other stays on with his animal nature. What is the reason for this differential development? Habits, and the behavior formed out of these habits, and the character into which that behavior has solidified. Man is the creature of character. Premavahini Chapter 4 The Real Nature of the Life of Man To a superficial observer, the life of man appears as a rotation of eating and drinking, toiling and sleeping. But verily, life has a much greater meaning, a much deeper significance. Life is a sacrifice. A yagda. Each little act is an offering to the Lord. If the day is spent in deeds performed in this spirit of surrender, 
what else can sleep be except samadhi? Man commits the great fault of identifying himself with the body. He has accumulated a variety of things for the upkeep and comfort of the body. Even when the body becomes weak and decrepit with age, he attempts to bolster it up by some means or other. But how long can death be postponed? When Yama's warrant comes, each has to depart. Before death, position, pride and power all vanish. Realizing this, Strive day and night with purity of body and mind and spirit to realize the higher self by the service of all living beings. The body must be preserved as a vehicle for this service. But remember, you are not this body. This body cannot be you. Tattvamasi, thou art that. This is the highest and holiest Mahavakya or divine axiom. You are the indestructible Atma Tattva, the principle of the eternal Atma or Self. It is for the sake of that Atma Tattva that you have this body. And so in the attempt to realize Parameshwara, the Supreme Lord, here and now, you must be prepared to offer this body at any moment as a sacrifice. Utilize your authority over this body to foster the welfare of the world. This body is but an instrument, an implement given by God. Let it serve its purpose. But until the realization of the purpose for which the implement is given, it is your duty to watch over it vigilantly and protect it from injury and disablement. During winter, woolen clothes are worn to withstand the rigor of the cold gales. But when the cold subsides, they are discarded. So too, when the cold gales of material life do not affect us in the least, the material body is no longer essential. One is conscious of only the incorporeal body. When the rains come, earth and sky are one in the sheets of rain that pour down. It is indeed a beautiful, inspiring scene. A scene by which creation itself is teaching you to become one in unison with it. There are three lessons that can be learned. The impermanence of created things, the role of man as the servant, and that of God as the master. This creation is the wherewithal of the puja or worship. Man is the worshipper, and God the worshipped. The game called life is played with these. Man must be happy that the Purushottama the Lord of all, has placed around him newer and newer materials for serving him, and gets done through him puja in various forms. 
He must pray for newer and newer opportunities and exult in the chance that his hands receive. This attitude gives immeasurable joy. To lead a life suffused with this joy is indeed bliss. Whatever is done from sunrise to sunset must be consecrated, as if it is the worship of the Lord. As care is taken to pluck only fresh flowers and to keep them clean and unfaded, so too ceaseless effort should be made to do deeds which are pure and unsullied. If every day this vision is kept before the mind's eye and life is lived accordingly, then it becomes one long unbroken service of the Lord. The feeling of I and thou will soon disappear. All trace of self will be destroyed. Life then transmutes itself into a veritable hariparayanam, that is, I am the Sevak. This world is the offering. God is the master who is worshipped. When one attains this stage of thought, feeling and action, all difference between mine and thine will disappear. Premavahini Chapter 5 Identity of Bhakti and Jnana There is no distinction between bhakti, devotion, and jnana, or wisdom. Just as saguna, the formful, becomes nirguna, the formless, bhakti too becomes jnana. I will not agree that karma or action and bhakti and jnana are separate. I do not even like to classify one of these as first, the other as the second, and the next as the third. I will not accept a mixture of all the three, or even a samuchaya, a merger of the three. Karma is bhakti, and bhakti is jnana. A block of Mysore Park, that is the traditional sweet, has sweetness, weight, and shape. The three cannot be separated one from the other. Each little part of it has sweetness, weight and shape. We do not find shape in one part, weight in another and sweetness in a third. And when it is placed on the tongue, taste is recognized, weight is lessened and shape is modified all at the same time. So too, the jiva or individual soul, the atma and the paramatma or godhead are not separate. They are one and the same. Therefore each individual deed must be full of the spirit of seva or service, of prema or love and of jnana or wisdom. In other words, each group of life's activities must be saturated with karma, bhakti and jnana. This is verily the Purushottama Yoga, that is, Yoga of the highest Purusha. It has to be acted in practice, not merely spoken in words. Sadhana, spiritual practice, 
should be done constantly with an ever-expanding heart full of bhakti and jnana. The sweetness of nectar of the Lord's name is the charm of life. The internal joy derived from the name is akin to the external joy of the outer life. When one performs a kriya, an action, as an offering to the Lord, his good, the higher good and the highest good, that is svartha, parartha and paramartha, all become one. First I and you become we. Next we and he become identified. The jiva, that is the individual soul or I, should accomplish identity first with the creation, that is the prakriti or you, and then with the paramatma, that is the supreme soul or he. This indeed is the significance of the mantra, the sacred formula, the mystic syllable, Om Tat Sat. Today, yesterday and tomorrow, Om Tat Sat is, was and will be. He and I are there always. The sadhana is also there always. Just as the sun is inseparable and is never apart from its rays, under no circumstances should any aspirant be without his sadhana. It is only when the sadhaka, the spiritual aspirant, adheres to his sadhana in such an incessant manner, can he be said to be one with Om, the pranava, the original sound. Premavahini, Chapter 6 The Duties of Life The blemishes of the heart have to be washed by the moral life and the doing of one's duty. A time may come when man becomes tired and weak, but he should then pray thus, Lord, Things have gone beyond my capacity. I feel further effort is too great a strain. Give me strength, O Lord. At first God stands at a distance, watching man's efforts, like the teacher who stands apart when the student writes out answers to his questions. Then, when man sheds his attachment to bhoga or enjoyment and takes to good deeds and seva or service, God comes encouragingly near. For he is like Surya Narayana, the sun god, who stands waiting outside the closed door like the servant who knows the rights of the master and his own limitations. He does not announce his presence or bang the door. He simply waits. And when the master opens the door just a little, the sun rushes in and promptly drives out darkness from within. When God's help is asked for, 
He is present by the side of man with hands extended to render assistance. So what is wanted from man is only the viveka, the discrimination, to pray to the Lord, the jnana or wisdom, to remember the Lord.